Sorry, I'm so. I'm, I feel like I'm sinking into my chair. I'm so slouchy. I think you get to to forty, and like all of the bones in your back just turn into jelly. I gave up on trying to have a straight back like twenty no, you years you're ago. Up straight. No, I'm not. I'm hunched like a like a like a hunchback. I have horrendous back problems, and I think to be honest with you, Matt, considering that this is a versus episode, I think we're being far too polite to each other. So <laughs> screw you, buddy. Yeah. I think you're a right. Poo head. Yeah, and you smell of things with I, which I don't like. Yeah? So oh, take that and smoke it in your pipe. <laughs> Cuss. And there we go. What a wonderful intro to this final episode of Series 2, right? Final, uh, yes. Yeah, here we go. Season 2, right? Season 2. Season oh, 2. Oh, well, so seasonal. Sorry, it's a seasonal. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, it's me, Mr. Renfrey Dedman. Hello. And uh, Mr. Matthew Hughes, opposite me. Hello. Hello, you shit. <laughs> <laughs> eat, eat my dust. Uh, and yeah. uh, and we are doing our uh, special verses episode. Mm. Uh, last season, we did our top three favourite debut albums, which uh, ended up being the most popular episode of the season, because you guys are absolutely crazy. And this year, season, <laughs> yep. this season, this season, well, I'm going to ask you to reveal what we're doing, Matt. What are we doing this season? So we banded a bunch of ideas around. And I think, you know, I had kind of pretensions of doing slightly quirky, sl- slightly offbeat, slightly. And then I thought, no, nah, fuck it. Just give the people what they want. We're going to stick with a classic. Mm-hmm. We did music, the first one. The second yeah. verses, let's do film. Mm-hmm. So we are going to go top three movie sequels with a caveat, a hard caveat, mm-hmm. that movie sequel meaning a direct movie following the original so not a sequel not the third or the fourth or the fifth installment or a reboot or any of that stuff this is this is top three sequels that directly follow the original yes i do enjoy a hard caveat i love a hard caveat (laughs) with some hummus delicious yeah i think you've explained that well enough um what were your criteria Mm. for these choices Thank you for asking, Renfrey, you shit. Um, really going to push this versus angle. And can I just also say uh, you smell of okay. um, the air that's bad. Yeah, I, th- I think we've established that. Right? Okay. My choices are very similarly to the debut records chat we had. My sequels are all actually my favourite movies in the franchise, any franchise that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I guess the criteria was have a bit of fun with it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think... Well, some of our choices are kind of maybe deemed classic yes. kind of sequels or classic kind of great sequels. Mm-hmm. And maybe some aren't. I think we could have gone all classic, mm-hmm. all kind of, you know, general consensus, best sequels, better than the originals, chatter, chatter, mm-hmm. chatty, chatty, boom, boom. Um, <laughs> which was actually <laughs> one of the one of the names for this podcast <laughs> boom boom no but yeah look it was it, i really enjoyed this i love movies you love movies um i really like sequels and i like them when they're bad i like them when they're good i like them when they're competent 
I just really enjoy seeing those covering all angles. Yeah, though. I re- I really like seeing a continuation of story of, of characters that I've sort of loved from the first one, and and when a sequel gets it right, which all of ours do, and some of the ones we'll talk about as our honourable mentions, bubbling unders as well, they also do. It's just great, you know, get to inhabit that world and and be around these kind of people and these characters that you've loved from the original. It's it's there isn't honestly there's nothing better, and I know a lot of directors that make them don't really like making sequels. And, you know, there is definitely the sort of Hollywood kind of cynicism angle of just, you know, cashing in, you know, which obviously, obviously exists. Um, mm. But, you know, I, we were I talking do... about that in one of my choices a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 blo- I love a sequel. I bloody love a sequel. How about you? I generally no. Uh... <laughs> no, fuck you, Matt. Yeah, everything you just said, you stink. Well, face. Yeah, yeah, you prick. I think um, when a sequel gets it right, then it it, it really can be the absolute best thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be some of the best films. I think the majority of sequels are lazy, if I'm totally honest, um, which uh, frustrates me. And I do think there's a lot of cynicism about a lot of sequels. Not all of them, but I do think there is a lot of cynicism about a lot of sequels. Think you understood what I said there? Answers on a postcard <laughs> to what Renfrew just said. Then <laughs> closest answer will win something. I think part of the reason is probably. I mean, I'm not going to go into a massive thesis about it now, but I think part of the reason why is because there's this um, ideology that what you need to do with the sequel is just make it bigger, better, louder, thrashier, and. In my opinion, if you do that, you just get the Transformers sequels, which nobody wants. I think really the key to an amazing sequel is actually expansion rather than bigger and better. And there is a nuanced difference there. Yeah, that's true. I I think that or a genuine continuation of a story that has kind of been Mm -hmm. paced and created and, you know, thought out already. I think, like you're saying, a lot of sequels kind of oh, wow, that movie was a massive success. That's a surprise. We Let's need another one. Again, we'll just bigger. do it again, but yeah. we'll, we'll do it in New York or yeah. we'll do it in space yeah. or yeah. we'll do it with zombies. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. But thinking back when we were having a think about our honourable mentions, there are so many sequels that we yeah. will kind of briefly talk about that mm. are fantastic sequels. I guess, like I said, I just, I do like slightly crappy movies mm. and I do like slightly crappy movies that are with characters that I really like from an original film. But I do also very much like it when someone has thought out carefully a story arc and then placed it over a sort of series of films. And then the sequel is just the continuation of that. And oftentimes, you know, it is the darker kind of element because it's kind of a middle piece if it's part of a trilogy, it's a middle piece of a trilogy. So Often there the is no con- bit to do. As yeah. Well, so there is no conclusion really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. There's a lot of character development, um, yeah. you know, and it is normally the kind of part of a trilogy where things sort of go a bit wrong for the kind of final it part of the trilogy to, to kind of, be. you know, yes, it, yeah. can, it be. can be, it can mm. be. Mm. Yes. I mean, I mean, just to sort of, um, uh, go back on what I was saying I'm not I'm not going back on what I was saying yeah, I'm, I'm I, I, no 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 convinced I'm not you with my words of <laughs> no, sharpness no, 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 no. and smartness I don't think every single sequel should do what I was just saying there in terms of it being more expansive but I think the really great ones generally do I mean certainly thinking about my picks mm-hmm. 
All three of them do, in my opinion, and I shall explain why once we get into the chat. But first of all, shall we take a look at those bubbling unders, uh, yeah. which you have? Because this was quite, I mean, this was, like, was it easy choosing your three picks? Because mine changed a fair bit. We had a bit of back and forth. No, this was really difficult. This was way more difficult than, than the debut albums. Which was pretty honest. difficult. Yeah, which yeah. was pretty difficult. This one was, was really difficult. I think I have about 10 sequels that... I adore and I watch quite a lot and mm. some I'll mention in Bubbly Gunder and then obviously three in my top three. Mm. Uh, and then there's a whole load of others that I just enjoy, you know, just enjoyable movies. And so some of my Bubbly Gunders that didn't quite make the top three are The Bourne Supremacy. I think it's a great film. Mm. It's a wonderful series. Um, That's and very not much... the one with Paddy Considine, is it? That's the third one. Yes. But the Suprem- but Supremacy is really good. Yeah. yeah it it's, is really good. It's Ultimatum, I think, is the third one. Yes, but Supremacy is, is great. And it's another... Yeah. It's a continuation of a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't feel like a cash-in either. There's no bigger set piece there's no larger story um, no it really is just a continuation of that really really cool story yeah, 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 yeah. the incredibles 2 i think the incredibles <sighs> are wonderful films and i think the incredibles 2 is actually better than the first agreed incredibles 2 is in my bubbling unders as well but i'm so glad you picked it because i because i don't think it's got the credit it deserves no, definitely not i might there's a litmus test for my for these kind of animated films and my kids love the Incredibles movies. Yeah, like. Matt's kids are the litmus test. No one else's kids, <laughs> no, no. but Matt's No, kids. no, my kids are. Yeah, your yes. kids, your kids know dick. Um, <laughs> I don't have kids. So, um, you know. <laughs> uh, so this one might surprise some people because I feel like this next bubbling under people might have assumed would have been in our top, well, one of our top three, but The Dark Knight. Mm, I mean, it was bloody close. Look, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic movie. I yeah. just, I don't know why I just... Yeah, The Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, and then a whole bunch of other... I, I, I'm a big superhero movie goer, and I think some sequels are good. Spider-Man 2, the original Spider-Man 2, the mm-hmm. Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. Um, X-Men 2 or X2. Uh, mm-hmm. Superman 2, the original Superman movies yep. are so much fun. I prefer it to one. Hellboy 2. Mm-hmm. I loved Hellboy 2. Yep. I, I love the character. Um, and then some others, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom. Technically a prequel, but fine. Yeah, it absolutely is a, a prequel sequel. Prequel sequel. <laughs> prequel sequel. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the recent ones are fantastic. Aliens, another one maybe that people might have thought. But I think the, I think the thing with this is, Aliens is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Alien is one of the greatest movies of all time. And Aliens is, is that with kind of guns. And it just, it's a one, look, I'm not at all slagging it off. It just... <sighs> I don't think it's a Pantheon classic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Aliens is the first film on my bubbling under because it was in my list. Um, I think Alien is a horror film and Aliens is a war film yeah. and hence they're completely different and comparing yeah. them is kind of silly. I do prefer Aliens. Well, I, don't I mean, think as, it's a a sequ- as, as, as a film series, you do have to compare them. Yeah, well, obviously When you you're do. talking about them. Obviously you do. Um, yes, I prefer Aliens to Alien. No, um, you don't. I, I'm not saying it's a better film. Uh, and uh, Just one more, and that was Grease 2. Mm. Oddity. Uh, yeah, I don't care what anyone says. The songs bang. They are phenomenal songs. Fair enough. And also Michelle Pfeiffer in oh, leather I mean, I mean, wow. on a bike. Michelle Pfeiffer in leather. I mean, let me yeah. start with Batman Returns. A little yeah. bit surprised it wasn't in there. That's another one. Again, and, and what an incredible way. And we'll talk a little bit about this, I think, slightly later on. But Batman Returns, starting with 
a man played by Pee Wee Herman who throws a baby into a frozen river. Didn't we talk about this with Jamie? Possibly. Last season. I Possibly. Think we but I just think you start a movie like that. Yeah, I mean, that, this is phenomenal. a sequel to one of the, at the time, one of the biggest movies, you know, ever sort yeah. of made. It was, yeah. it's, I mean, yeah. it's a wonderful film. Oh, Batman Returns is incredible. I love it. I want, I, I was like, do I talk? Because like, talking to mm. you about Tim Burton, I thought it would be an interesting chat, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, with Batman Returns, I'm sorry, I was going to say, I remember... When I was younger and there was a wonderful TV show called Film on BBC and then it would be Film and then yeah. whatever the year. With Barry Norman. With Barry Norman. Was um, one, one, or with Jonathan Ross or, and then they totally fucked it and did it with Claudia Winkleman. Yeah. <laughs> Love Claudia Winkleman, but Nothing wrong with Claudia Winkleman, but she's not a yeah, film journalist. No, no, it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, but be yeah, a Barry Norman. And I remember he didn't like it and I remember his line, Batman Returns, and if they're this bad, here's hoping he doesn't. <laughs> and I thought, what, a, what? I mean, what a great line, but also so wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely wrong. Paddington Two, great movie. Come on. Yeah. I mean, again, absolutely objectively better than the first. It's a classic. Yeah, it I is. mean, I know it's only a few years old. It is a classic. Yeah. Believe me. Dark Knight. Before we talked about Batman Returns. Before we talked about Evil Dead Two. Oh. So we had a bit of a back and forth about whether this was a sequel, even uh-huh. though it is two, yeah. but whether it was a sequel officially or not. Yeah, sure. But And I think know. we decided it was. It was. Just hence. purely because it's, even though it is a slight remake yeah. of the original, yeah. it is a sequel. But hence it being in my bubbling unders, because yeah. it's absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. The Raid 2, Infernal Affairs 2. Do you know the Infernal Affairs series? I know the original, and then I watched the Hollywood the remake, Scorsese remake, which is a great movie. Which is fantastic. Mm. Um, I'm not one of those people who are like, eh, it's not as good as Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs 2 is amazing. I mean, really, shout out to the whole series, but Infernal Affairs 2 is incredible. Blade Runner 2049. Now, sometimes okay. a controversial choice. I absolutely adore it. Mm. Do I think it's better than the first? Lord, no. But I do love it. I think it's incredible, it's that movie. film. I absolutely love it. But to the Future Part 2. Great movie. And my, the movie that my wife shouted at us just she before she did. left the room. She screamed it. Yep. She went, Back in the future, too! Yep. And then slammed the door. It was a little bit weird. I'm not going to say. Is everything okay at home? <laughs> 22 Jump Street, which we had discussed off mic, but that's a flippin' great film. See, Woo. I disagree. Oh. So I have a list of genuinely terrible sequels or sequels that you maybe didn't even know existed because so many movies that you love, you and I love, mm. my mum loves, whatever, mm. your nan loves, mm. there are sequels that mm-hmm. have been made and mm-hmm. they exist. Mm-hmm. And sometimes nobody knows about them. Yeah, because they went straight to DVD because they went or to DVD. video or whatever. But then, then there are also these sequels that follow or retread a similar story to the first and it was kind of mercilessly mocked Mm. by 22 yes. Jump Street. Yes, it was. The whole, we're doing it again. Yeah, exactly yeah, Exactly yeah. the same, well, but I, slightly different. Even though it was the same joke over and over and over again, that film, I think they made it funny every time. Hence, I think it worked. I think, unfortunately, the joke blurred with the, the actual movie for yeah, me. And yeah. I love 21 Jump Street. Yeah. I think it, was, it was a real surprise for me. Yeah. Really funny. Really surprising. Uh, okay. All right. Well, let's do your uh, your bonus lists. Then, so, yeah. Case. So these sequels that follow retread stories. So I just watched Top Gun 2. Uh, hashtag Maverick, uh, Maverick, Maverick. Which, you, which you loved oh man it was so good yeah, <laughs> it was so good after your enthusiasm I'm very keen to see it actually yeah it was great but again um, essentially you know slightly different but a retread um, Home Alone 2 I mean it's basically Home Alone but in yeah, a city in New York yeah, yeah, you yeah. Even have it the is same, great though the same plot exactly yeah. Tim Curry um, Team Wolf 2 exactly uh-huh. the same plot but yeah, just yeah, with yeah. boxing rather than basketball yeah, yeah. 
And then I put Back to the Future 2 because even it is slightly complicated oh, because it is yeah. very clever the way it does it. Yeah. But you are essentially retelling, reliving the first movie in a brilliant way. Yes. In a very entertaining way. I, I understand what you put in there. But if we had more time, I would argue that, but I can't be asked. Yes. And then some genuinely terrible sequels slash did you even know these existed right. include... An American werewolf in Paris. I did know that, yeah. I've not seen it, though. Is it awful. really awful? Oh, no. It's so bad. Blues Brothers 2, or I think it's called Blues, Blues Brothers, Brothers 2000. 2000. Mm. Not um, seen that either. Robocop 2. Yeah, people know that exists, surely. Oh, it, sure. it is terrible. But did you know Caddyshack 2 exists? I didn't know Caddyshack 2 Caddyshack exists. 2 exists. <laughs> yes. Uh, did you know The Sting 2 exists? No. Yeah, starring Jackie Gleason. <laughs> I've not seen that. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I've seen that. Have you? Yes, it stars Dennis Hopper uh, in one of his most deranged performances. The original is so grungy and so grimy. It still feels like a little bit sickening to watch. Now, I, I don't really like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not my kind of horror. I respect it. And I think, you know, awesome if you like that kind of thing. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, the entire tone is different mm. it's more comedy horror yeah. I mean, it's objectively terrible but it is fun it's, it's definitely terrible in a fun to watch way yeah so yeah, i've not yeah. seen it I, i'm not a horror dennis fan. hopper is i was about to say brilliant is I it mean, worth watching just for that um not sober right okay <laughs> right so not one for the kids <laughs> no, okay. uh no. the fly two yeah with eric stoltz yeah yeah the, yeah yeah I, I i started watching that on itv once and didn't get very far and then the original's uh, amazing though. everyone probably knows all of these ones but speed 2 shocking blair witch 2 just appalling and son of mask just absolute massive bag of shit and then i've put literally any horror movie franchise as well oh we'll get people complaining I mean, I, mean, I don't I like, I do, I I don't I like horror movies, so subjectively, Scream I think two? horror sequels. Scream 2 is like more of a... That's I mean, an exception. Is, this, is, this, is Scream a horror movie? Or is... I feel like Scream is more of a meta kind of dissection of what a horror movie is. I mean, literally goes through the tropes of a horror movie. By being a horror movie. It's also a comedy. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's also a comedy. Yeah, I mean, one of my picks is a horror comedy as well, so, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah sure. Scream is a horror. Yeah. Scream 2, I never saw it. I never Did saw you know it. you know what? No, Scream 2 is good. Scream 2 is well good. Okay. I don't know about the sequels after that, but Scream 2 is really good. Okay. Should we get into it then? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's um, jump in. Let's dive in with a... I would like you to go first because I think my absolute last choice is going to be the most controversial and I think that'll be nice to end on. So, uh... Is it George too? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I gave it away! Uh-oh! Uh, so yeah, let's start with you, Matt, with your first pick. Yeah, so we're not going to do these in order. I know we did the no. debut albums in order, but we're not going to do these in order. These Can't are just, be asked. These are just three sequels that we properly love. Yeah. And for me, not for yourself, I'm not putting words in your mouth, not, uh, not, not uh, telling you how to do your job. But for me, uh, these three movies are my favourite movies in the franchise that I'm talking about. Um, that applies to me as well. Oh, does it? Yes. Oh, okay. Fantastic. You're only surprised by one of those. Yeah. And I know which one it is. Yeah. But absolutely, after rewatching it a couple of days ago, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Uh, so my number one pick is The Empire Strikes Back. Which I know technically is uh, episode five. Yes, yes, yes. But, Let's get that uh, out of the way first. We're going to do this as a sequel to Star Wars. Yeah, it um, is the second one. Stop trying to troll us. Fuck off. Yep. So look, I, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, you are literally sitting in Empire Strikes Back. I am. 
long sleeve t-shirt which is yes. delightful yes. um so look i adore star wars i am a star wars apologist as well mm-hmm. i kind of lap pretty much everything up um do you like the prequels though my patience has been tested okay. over the years sorry i spoke too soon um <clears throat> hello phantom menace do i like the prequels <laughs> i think at the time i mean i went to see the phantom menace twice when it came out in a cinema in Guildford and we all dressed up and we did a back-to-back midnight screening mm. and we all went in and we watched the first one and we were so giddy with excitement yeah because you know there were no Star Wars TV shows this was the first thing to exist in the Star Wars universe apart from you know books and and you know Ewoks and stuff and Christmas tie-ins and that sort of thing um it was the first thing to properly like adult wise exist and and we were so For excited 16 years yeah yeah you know, so at the time so we we sort of watched the first one and convinced ourselves that we adored it and then we went in mm. to watch the second time and it was just i think it's very hard to pick that film apart we're not going to talk about that film no, we're yeah. talking about empire strikes back so with empire i think if anyone asked me straight up what my favorite movie of all time is i think i'd probably say empire strikes back as well fair enough um, that's I, very you yeah i probably yeah, <laughs> yeah i've probably also seen it the most out of these three films that we're talking about as well I'd say definitely. You know what? Even though it's not my choice, I'm, it might be the one I've seen the most as well out of the three that we're doing. I mean, I used to be able to quote the first three Star Wars movies for Baton, but really, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think <laughs> when you I were was popular younger, with the ladies, yes. <laughs> yeah, I got a bad feeling about this. Even the Ewok stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I loved. I mean, I loved Ewok's Caravan of Courage. I I loved honestly. Anything to do with Star Wars, I was in. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to the cinema to watch this because I'm very old, as I say many times. And I went to see it with can, my... Can I ask how old you were when this came out? Uh, yeah, I was five. This is my first cinema trip. <gasps> I went with my Nana Deakin, RIP. Oh, and I went with my dad, who fell asleep. And it was in <laughs> Wales, in like a cavern sort of the- a- a cinema. Wow. Um, I really vivid memories of it being very cold because like, it, it had stone on the walls like really sharp weird stones and it really added to the whole coldness when you're kind of opening on yeah. Hoth the ice planet and um oh it was it was just amazing I, I, the snoring of family members it d- just didn't affect me and I um shivered the whole way through it but I loved it it came out in 1981 um, 1980 wasn't it 1981 I think 76 for Star Wars 77 <gasps> 77 Ash oh my god I was born in 76 yeah. the year the punk, yeah, yeah, the year yeah, yeah, the punk yeah, yeah. broke yeah, um, 77, 80, 83. So I saw it in 81. Okay. So I was five. You know, this was before multiplexes. So little cinemas in Wales had to wait a while. Yeah. For things to come. Yeah. And I, I fell in love with cinema that day. Like, definitely. Like, it was my first proper cinema trip. Okay. My first proper cinema trip, sorry, quick interruption, was Super Mario Brothers. So the difference in quality between your, as, as in the 1993 films with Bob Hoskins. Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. So the difference in quality. Did between, you fall in love with cinema that day? Well. Cooper Cooper. Well, I think, but to be honest, I think I did because the whole thing was so, and, and I definitely, I was eight and I definitely came out of the cinema absolutely loving the experience and loving the film as I mean, well. The, yeah, the, the film gets a bad rep. It is enjoyable. It's insane. Yeah, that no, it's, film. It's, it's really crazy. Absolutely insane. But yeah, look, I, I fell in love with cinema and I fell in love with Star Wars and I've not really looked back and it sort of started me on this journey and Star nerd Wars journey. things. Nerd journey. Mm. Do you know what? I think probably... A nerd was birthed that day in the cinema. And I then went on and, you know, really went uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Choose Your Own Adventure books and... Mm. 
anything to do with comic book characters. I mean, it was just Star Wars Empire Strikes Back really started me off on all this. And look, it's a great movie. It's a middle part of a trilogy. So it doesn't really have a beginning and it doesn't really have an end. You know, you kind of start in the middle of this kind of so defense true. and yeah. a battle and, yeah. you, and, you, and you kind of finish with a very iconic there's going to be loads of spoilers for all of these movies we it feels like that it feels intro, like it yeah. didn't, doesn't need to be said but if you don't want to know about spoilers for these movies you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast our most recent pick is from 2002 so i'm gonna say you probably should have seen all these yeah yeah exactly but, but yes, yes yes so obviously you know this, this movie starts with the battle in hearth and it finishes with the revelation, the revelation of uh, of yes. Luke and Darth Vader and their Darth relationship. Vader. Darth Vader, as they say in uh, and their relationship. Nowhere. Yeah, they they were a couple, weren't they? They loved uh, each no. other <laughs> purely platonically. Yes, and then everything in between that. You know, you've kind of got the father and son lightsaber battle at the end. You have Yoda, Yoda, and the way of the Jedi, and you have a really nice developing relationship between Luke and my god I'm such a nerd developing relationship between Luke and R2-D2 which I think is a real wonderful relationship especially considering one of those characters doesn't speak English yes that relationship between Luke and R2-D2 is very well written as is the uh, Leia and um, Han Solo Solo and Leia yeah there's a lot of really strong developing relationships in Empire Strikes Back I think you know the relationships become proper they become yeah. adult they become real yes. you know they're really fleshed out in which Empire. they weren't in a new hope really no it you was also... very boy saves the princess in yeah it, yeah it's a fairy tale in the sky a family dynasties you know i i've definitely spoken about this before but mm. i had a, a constant argument with a friend of mine uh, that he was totally right and he won that star wars is not a science fiction movie it's a it's a it's a drama set in space there it's is a space no opera. there is no nucleus of science there's no like idea that the you know the kind of everything is based around they've got lasers and spaceships that's not enough there is no you know larger friends right yeah 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 yeah. um but also with empire and this is the the part of the film that really stays with me the final third often with sequels especially they really fall down but the final third you get to meet landa carizian and the city in the clouds And you have the whole sequence of him betraying his friends and you learn a whole new relationship that existed before. I just love that they kind of just throw it in there. You know, you don't need that much backstory, you know, and it became part of kind of the Star Wars kind of, you know, folklore of like, how did they meet? Which is then later explored in, in, in you know, further movies and Disney TV films, shows. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's so many classic lines, so many classic scenes. I mean, obviously the, the most famous is... Um, Leia and Solo's I love you I know which apparently was an ad lib apparently he was supposed yeah, to say yeah. something like um, I, I love reme- you too. Rem- was no, I love no, you too I no, think no no it was going to be remember that and I'll be back and oh. then Han Solo was renegotiating his contract because he didn't know if he was going to appear in the third movie oh. so they changed it just in case he wasn't going to appear in the third movie and he suggested this line and George well George Lucas wasn't the director but he no. suggested the, uh, was the Lawrence line Kasdan? no Damn it, I've forgotten off the top of my head. I'll look it up, I'll look it up. Yeah, and yes, and he he suggested the line, and um, what a wonderful line. It was Irvin Kirshner. Irvin Kirshner, that's it. And and Princess Leia is my favourite Star Wars character. 
Mm, we have talked about this, although in a pilot that we did, yes, I think. In a pilot. I chose my top three favourite Star Wars universe characters. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Princess Leia was number, my number one. I just think Carrie Fisher's incredible. I think the character's yeah, amazing. She was. She gives as good as she gets. Uh, such an interesting character. Nerf herder. Nerf herder. So, yeah, I literally had the film directed by Irvin Kirshner written right down in front of me. I'm not even going to bother going into the story of it because no everyone need. has seen Empire Strikes Back. No need. But I am going to hit you with three facts. Uh-oh. We're going to do some trivia. Probably dropped a bunch of like, you know. You sort, got some pretty interesting facts. ones already. Yeah. But these are some other ones that I like very much about Empire. So number one, George Lucas was so impressed by Frank Oz's performance as Yoda that he spent thousands of dollars on an advertising campaign to try and get him an Oscar nomination for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Lucas's campaign <laughs> ultimately failed because it was felt the puppeteer wasn't an actor. Lucas felt this wasn't fair, but Oz couldn't give a shit. <laughs> he did not care. Yeah. Number two, uh, when Mark Hamill was having trouble with the Dagobah scenes with Yoda, Frank Oz brought in Miss Piggy to make him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of Miss Piggy being on the uh, Dagobah. I like so. the idea of Miss Piggy with Yoda's voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Swap yeah. those guys out. And my <laughs> final fact, uh, before we then move on to your first pick, is originally in the asteroid scene, one of the asteroids was actually a shoe. The <laughs> rumour is that George Lucas had asked the visual effects team to redo the scene so many times that they got annoyed and one of them just threw his or her shoe. But it was later uh, in remastered <laughs> versions that they corrected it. Although another asteroid is actually a potato. It appears just as the Millennium Falcon first enters the field. Two asteroids travel from the top left to the bottom right corner of the screen. Just after the second asteroid leaves the screen, a third one appears. That's the bloody potato. No way. Yeah. That's the bloody potato. So yeah, Empire Strikes Back. Quite a good movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I won't go on about it too much because I think you've done a perfectly good job of summing it hey, up there. Thanks. But no surprises to learn that I completely and utterly agree with you. You yeah. tell us what your first yeah. pick is. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Well, look, my first pick is kind of one I want to get out of the way, not because I'm not excited to talk about it, because bloody hell I am, but because this film has been... I mean, I'm not going to be able to add anything new to the conversation whatsoever, because this film has been dissected, talked about, lauded ever since it came out, really. But I am talking, of course, about The Godfather Part 2. Holy moly macaroni. Uh, I love me a bit of... Well, gangster films. Gangster films full stop. I'm a massive, massive fan of... Francis Ford Coppola directed all three Godfather films. He was enormously reluctant to come back for Part 2, though. Basically, because Paramount really dicked him around on Godfather Part 1. Why is it amazing? What I was talking about right at the beginning of the show about um, sequels don't need... It's not them being bigger and better. It's more expansive. Mm -hmm. Like, Godfather Part 2 literally expands both ways in that it becomes a prequel and a sequel. You've got all the Bobby De Niro stuff, which is Vito Colleoni when he was younger. Incidentally, Francis Ford Coppola originally was going to recast Marlon Brando because he thought he'd be capable of playing Vito younger, but uh, decided not to after seeing Bobby. I also had, sorry, a little side fact. Actually, this might be one of your facts. So if it is, you can just cut it out. Okay. I also heard that Marlon Brando had originally agreed to come back to film one scene, one you know, one day of shooting uh, mm. to be part of it, and just didn't turn up. Couldn't be bothered. <laughs> just didn't turn up. So they just had to rewrite the whole bit. <laughs> yes, in terms of expanding the world and just making it like, I mean, 
the first film was based on Mario Puzo's Puzo Puzo's Puzo his novel which is fantastic have you Great. read the Godfather yeah, yeah, novel? I have, yeah. it's absolutely brilliant and it mainly covers stuff that happens in the first film stuff that happens in the second film is almost all original material there's some of the Vito Colleoni stuff which is I think the uh, stuff in the past the, yes uh, is, yes you know, some of that stuff but but there's only one chapter in the book yeah. which covers that stuff so it really is pretty much brand new material you know I think it was you know with Mario Puzo like consulting I believe but it really is a new story it's a great story and it's brilliant I mean I, the, 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 so the first Godfather it's kind of, I guess, shows the journey of of one man into the family yes. business, and then the second film. And the shows second him. film shows it's corrupt. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. The the kind of destruction of this person's humanity, yeah. and you know, and not even his downfall, but him, even to the point where <laughs> crossing the point of yes. no return. Exactly. Even to the point where members of his own family are not mm. safe from him. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, but yes, absolutely. As I mentioned, Francis Ford Coppola had a horrible time directing the first Godfather film. And so my first fact is that Paramount were wanting to find a different director for it. And they originally chose Martin Scorsese. Who must have been like 10 years old. Who must have been 10 years old. Mean Streets. Now, this is from memory, so this may not be correct. But I believe Mean Streets came out in 1972. Mid-70s. Mm. I think it's mid-70s, right? Mm. Do you want to do a little check whilst I keep talking? Keep talking, keep talking. That's one minute silence. Why the hell am I referencing that? It was Francis Ford Coppola who suggested Martin Scorsese and and Paramount said no. Probably because it, it, I can't imagine he had done anything. I mean, Matt is about to find out when Mean Streets came out. Uh, 73. 73, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess it would have been Scorsese's first project instead of Mean Streets. Yeah. Because Godfather Part Two was 74. But anyway, he was rejected and Coppola agreed to direct the film, but he had a few conditions. Now, it's, I'm continuing the first fact. The conditions that Capello... Um, Capello? Coppola. I- Italian footballer slash manager of England. <laughs> what were his demands? <laughs> I need 11 Roonies. I was trying to suppress wind and I knew I got the pronunciation wrong. So like a lot it. was happening there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, was, he was nearly fired several times from doing the first film. The things that he was given for Paramount to sweet talk him into coming back to do the second film, he was given a Mercedes-Benz 600 limousine as a reward for the success of The Godfather. Because it was a massive hit. We it should, should emphasise yeah. it was a huge hit. Yes. But he also had several conditions regarding the actual direction of the film. So he asked that the sequel be interconnected with the first film with the intention of later showing them together, which he sort of like... I won't go into it too much, but there was like a TV movie edit of The Godfather where everything is chronological, sequentially. So all of the the Bobby De Niro stuff is bunched up together. De Niro. Yes. And then it goes into Godfather 1 straight through and then the other stuff in godfather part two and then godfather three that doesn't work no. <laughs> you don't need to make the godfather i don't two, think it makes it better the structure of godfather two i think at the time in 73 not 73 sorry 74, 74 yeah. might have been slightly confusing to audiences that maybe weren't used to how brilliantly put together I've got that was that you know, backwards and yeah. forwards and yeah, i think yeah, yeah. um 
I think now it's a, I mean, that just doesn't work in the modern context because no. films can go all over the place. Exactly, exactly. He also asked Paramount to direct his own script for another film, which was The Conversation, starring uh, Gene Hackman, which came out um, also in 1974. Busy boy. Uh, he also wanted to be allowed to direct a production for the San Francisco Opera. Wow. That was one of his conditions. And he also wanted want a bag of puppies. <laughs> there is one more. He wanted to be allowed to write the screenplay for The Great Gatsby, the 1974 version. All of that, he stipulated, had to happen prior to production of the sequel for a Christmas 1974 release. So, you know, he, he got his Billy Big Bollocks in, yeah. put them on the table and said, these are my demands and got them, got what, them all. What a lovely Christmas list. Fair play. My second fact I'm going to go into, Al Pacino. Uh, he's not going to come out very well in this. He caused a lot of problems throughout the production. Oh, wow. Uh, and demanded a massive salary and heavy script rewrites. He frequently complained about Capella's slow pace, yelling, Serpico only took 19 days! And threatened to quit over and over again. I, d- I wasn't... That was Al Pacino, not Fuzzy Bear, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't really realise that Al Pacino was that much of a diva, but obviously, you know, that, that's that's reported. So, uh, yeah. It's always di- I always find it really disappointing when when yeah. you hear people that you love. I don't love Al Pacino, but I love his performances. It's, it's always really disappointing when you hear those sort of stories. Yeah. I do have a couple. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna have even more than three facts. I've got too many facts. I mean, that was already about 20. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Or do you want me to stop them? Do no, we? no. You, you <laughs> lay down some more cold, hard facts. Um, I, look, I'm going to do two more because um, my, my final one actually actually goes into your next choice very, very well. Lovely. Robert De Niro is one of only eight actors to win an Academy Award for a role primarily in a language other than English, since almost all of his dialogue in the film is in Sicilian. Mm. Um, he also spent four months trying to learn bonus facts, bonus facts, bonus facts. He spent four months learning Sicilian. And I mean, I don't speak Sicilian, but he does sound bloody convincing in that See. Um <laughs> The other actors are Sophia Loren, Christoph Waltz, Roberto Benigni. Uh, Benigni, that's um, is that Life Is Beautiful? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Benicio del Toro, Penelope Cruz, Marianne Cotillard, which is Lavion Rose, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. and Yon Yo Hyung. I'm hoping is correct. Apologies for that pronunciation if it's wrong. The final fact, which does go into yours, very neatly. I love it. I love a little neat. Handing of the baton. A little neat passage. It's less impressive when you signpost how well you've done it, which I have just done, but, you know, forget it. Uh- <laughs> so everybody, let's just wait and see this beautiful transition in three, two, one, go. Uh, this is the first sequel, The Godfather Part Two, to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. The second, and as of 2022, the last, was The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Matt. What is your next choice? Jaws 2. <laughs> <laughs> what a twat. So my number two pick, uh, again, not in any order, but now my number two pick is The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Oh. Uh, from 2002, the epic fantasy adventure. Mm. Directed by Peter Jackson, uh, as were all of the uh, Lord of the Rings movies and mm. then all the and then Hobbit all the movies ones. as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So I remember going to watch this movie in uh, Brixton, a cinema with a friend of mine called Fayon. And Did you go to the Ritzy? Yes, the Ritzy. Yay! And, um, and I was just blown away. I mean, I love the first one. 
Yeah. But this second one, hmm. again, it starts very directly uh, in terms of the continuation of the story from the first movie, The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, you're kind of straight in there mm-hmm. with the capture of half of the fellowship and mm-hmm. some of the fellowship having been kind of broken up and some have passed on and I'm not going to... It's 2002, I'm trying not to give them any spoilers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've already said we're going to be spoilerific, so, you know. Um, so I, I just, I was so blown away. I just, Peter Jackson is a genius. I, this movie is incredible. It was really overwhelming, the scale and the scope and the kind of ambition. It's, it's extraordinary. It's a really stunning, stunning film. Yeah. Um, and then when we left the cinema, for some fucking reason, I had like a long coat on. The Matrix is going to be the reason I'm. But, but it was more like it was wasn't quite like it wasn't like a leather duster jacket. It was more this like wasn't a, your S and M phase. It was when I was really heavily into leather, and it was more like a more like a like a football manager kind of coat. For, anyway, okay. for some oh, yeah, reason, yeah, 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 yeah. for some reason, I had a long coat on. Trench coat. We were running to the pub uh, to make last orders, and as I was running, my coat was like you know flapping a bit in the wind and i i was transported in my head uh, i was legolas <laughs> firing off arrows and jumping off horses um i'd really distinctly what a twat i really distinctly remember that me and my friend johnny from home and i think the line of dialogue is from this film if we were parting ways we used to um look off into the horizon and say um the moon is red Blood has been spilt this night, and then clip clop away. I, yeah, yeah. That yeah, basically, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So that Legolas was going round and round in my head, um, yeah. going round in lots of uh, teenage girls' heads as well. I think. Yes, lovely, I, lovely I think Orlando Bland, lovely stuff. I think. Look, the sequel. It just felt like the biggest thing I think I'd seen at the cinema for a long time, and the, the spectacles, the battle and the fight scenes. Helm's Deep. Um, you know, it is Helm's Deep. This one, Helm's isn't it? Helm's Deep. Yeah. yeah, and the kind of growing character arcs and those relationships—they're mm. just—they're—they're they're genuinely, <laughs> genuinely done so beautifully. Yeah. You yeah, basically they really you, are, you essentially have three main kind of story arcs, and each one is is gripping and moving. And I mean, my favourite story arc is Gollum. Mm-hmm. It's it's a wonderful film. The acting is phenomenal. I think Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Liv Tyler, Viggo Mortensen, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett really deserve huge credit. Does Orlando Bland deserve credit? He's there. He's, he's, he, does, <laughs> he turned up. <laughs> yeah, he does some things. I mean, Hugo Weaving as well. And obviously yeah. the star of the movie is Andy Serkis. I yeah, think absolutely, 100%. As a kind of a, an actor in as himself and also as the digitally created golem i think it's an astonishing performance which you kind of he sort of touches on a little bit in the fellowship but this is his story this is his role this is his sort of journey and and it's it's i mean it is heartbreaking it is is. heartbreaking for a character that's so complicated so hard to like yes and then the film concludes with i guess a betrayal of golem into in his mind i guess a betrayal of golem and the sort of split personality creation between good golem and evil golem almost it's wonderful and interestingly obviously all three movies have epic battles yep and helm's deep is a smaller more condensed obviously than 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 kind of the final the return of the king kind of battle which is hell for leather ghosts yeah. and demons and you know everything thrown at it but it feels very, it's not small because it's massive, but it feels like a real wonderful sort of story that everything is kind of going on at the same time. 
and yet the story throughout the battle is so clear and so brilliantly told it's masterful uh, yeah filmmaking. it's 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 uh, it's, it's yeah. it, you know and the uh, when the elves turn up and yeah. sort of save the day yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know i think it's the best battle in the whole trilogy i agree i agree and i think it's and i think because uh, and the conclusion to the battle with the riders and i mean i'm genuinely getting goosebumps <laughs> before i say it but i'm not that nerdy but the uh, <laughs> the riders and the return of gandalf yeah, over yeah, the yeah. hill yeah, i yeah, mean yeah. it's just i'm far away i'm hugging myself because it makes you me are. feel so happy it's, a bit weird, uh, it's, it's, yeah, look, it's 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 a, an incredible trilogy is it the best trilogy? I'm going to say oh. the Lord of the Lord of the Rings trilogy is, is. pound for pound Ugh. the best trilogy ever made. Each movie is fantastic. There is no dud. There is no Ewok. <laughs> there is no falling off point. And I just, I just, yeah, I could talk about all three movies till the cows come home. Despite making those stupid noises, and they were stupid. I mean. Yes, I do broadly agree with everything that you're saying. I wanted to very, very quickly, regarding the Gollum thing, I just wanted to shout out very, very quickly. Let's not forget that if memory serves... I mean, look, it wasn't the first all completely CGI character. I know, like, it's the, the what's the technology called that they're using? The facial recognition technology. I think stuff. that's what it is. I think yeah. it's facial recognition. Yeah. 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 Or capture. Motion capture. Motion capture. There we go. Go us on our brain. <laughs> yeah, we got there. Yeah, it's not the first mocapped performance, but it was the first mocap performance. I remember there being talk of an Oscar. Like, should he should he have been nominated for it? Uh, I'm, I'm going back 20 years now, which is when the film came out. Um, but I swear there was conversations about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Oscar were like, oh, well, is it really a performance? And then Chris is going, of course it's a bloody performance. I mean, blah, the, blah, blah, the Academy blah. were quite sniffy about fantasy movies anyway. At yeah. the time, the Academy was very sniffy about successful movies. And this yes. was this was a very successful movie. At, <laughs> yeah. at the time, it was the third biggest grossing movie of all time behind Titanic. And, wow. Um, one of the Harry Potter movies. Prisoner of Azkaban? Philosopher's Stone. Oh, okay. Um, the first one? Yeah. <laughs> So it did, it was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, but, you know, it won for editing and visual effects, you know, the, the kind of token, well done. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I, I, I think that everyone has pretty much decided now that when Return of the King came and, like, obliterate, like, one... It was because of this movie. It, it was because of the, the, the how well the, I think, how well the three movies... It wasn't a dud. Hurrah! He's yeah. made three bloody great movies. I, I, th- I think it. I think the the general consensus is it wasn't just the Return of the King that was getting the yeah. award. It was the entire trilogy, and I think that is yeah. correct and fair Absolutely. and right. Well done for making three point whatever billion dollars Absolutely. at the box office. Absolutely. Here's a bunch of Oscars. It's my least favorite of the three. The Two Towers really? is my least favourite of the Lord of the Rings films. Now, they're all objectively five out of five From films. this trilogy. From this trilogy. I'm not including The Hobbit because those are not five out of five films. My favourite is The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, it's the simplest one by a country mile. Why is it my favourite? I don't know. It, it just is my favourite, The Fellowship of the Ring. And uh, whilst The Return of the King has too many endings, I think, you know, once they get to Mount Doom and stuff, the final battle and stuff, the fact that they didn't screw that up, like the Mount Doom stuff, I can't watch that without crying. You know, it's, it's incredible. incredible. Yeah. So, you know, the only part where The Return of the King falls down is too many endings. 
Does this film fall down at any point? No, not really. I think purely the reason it's my least favourite is because it's the middle part of the story and that one's always the hardest to do. I don't think it's even its fault no. that it's my least favourite. It's just, it's the hardest one to pull off. And all three of them are extraordinary films and barely get a foot wrong. I think what I would say is, in my opinion, The Fellowship of the Ring, not a foot wrong. I, I actually no. think that's a perfect film. It is a great movie. I think with The Fellowship, compared to this, you have a very simple story. Yeah, but it's, it's much it's, easier. It's essentially do. one story yeah, arc yeah, followed the yeah. entire way. You're following this group of people. And there are slightly different story arcs between some of the characters. But with yeah. this, I mean, we've not even mentioned some of the story arcs. I mean, you have Merry and Pippin and their escape and they meet Treebeard and oh, the whole yeah. nth you know, and the the, the attack on um, the Fortress of Sauron. That whole section is amazing. Yeah, yeah. You have the Riders of Rohan. You have mm. Gandalf come back as Gandalf the Grey, mm. the Resurrection. Gandalf the White. He goes from Grey goes to from white, white, doesn't he? Goes from Grey to White. Sorry, Gandalf the White. Mm. Gandalf the White? Yes. I think so. And for a sequel, you don't often have a lot of merry conclusions. You don't have a lot of kind of fist in the air, stand at the end of the cinema, clap kind of moments. And this one does. I mean, this one has real kind of moments of, um, it's not all bad. It's not all, you know, you obviously have the kind of Gollum, uh, Frodo and Sam story, which is dark in places and tough to watch. You know, it it is quite hard. And and I I genuinely think um, Elijah Wood's performance you know, and Sean Austin, but Elijah Wood is is so good in this He's movie. Brilliant. The weight of this role that has been put upon him, slowly crushing him and killing it's it's just an incredible performance. It really is. It's easy to mock Elijah Wood's performance in yeah. Lord of the Rings, but especially the relationship because that has that has been mocked many many times. Absolutely, you know? but which when, is essentially brotherly love, and I feel like that it's it's sad indictment that that is the thing that came out initially that as the thing that people were sort of used to beat the film up about and mock it a bit because two men were friends and they loved each other you know without question you've taken my point and brilliantly brilliantly brought it home so thank you very much i was just nodding through all of that but yes exactly that's exactly what um, i was gonna say so i'm just gonna hit with some three facts and yes. then we're gonna go to your second choice uh so when andy circus was hired to play the split personalities of Gollum and schmeagel it was initially only for three weeks of voiceover work but peter jackson was so impressed with circus physical performance du- during the audition uh, which he based on the withdrawal symptoms experienced from recovering drug addicts yeah. that he decided there and then to sign him up to provide the character's movements as well and therefore was born the whole motion capture to the level that it is now yeah um, yeah yes it's not day one for motion capture but for i think it is day one for hollywood taking it seriously yeah i think that's probably fair to say absolutely uh, andy sex's audition is on the uh, extras if you get the extended edition certainly and it's amazing uh, number two not only did many of the lord of the rings actors form tight bonds with each other i mean this is very very famous mm. you know how mm. close they all were the yeah. matching tattoos yeah. they meet yeah. up and yeah. it makes my heart yeah. do a little jump and a skip and a dance every time someone lovely. posts something where they yeah. all met in a pub yeah but Viggo Mortensen fell in love with his character Aragorn's horse to such an extent that after the film shoot he bought it uh, from his owner and uh, it became his horse <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> and my final one before we go to your second choice is they couldn't recruit enough men in the six foot height area to play the uruk so mm. men from five foot high were cast and they were affectionately nicknamed the Uruk-Low <laughs> <laughs> I think might be my favourite fact for this whole podcast from that's my side great, anyway yeah that's a great fact um, so please tell us your number two 
choice. My number two pick in my top three favourite sequels. It's only bloody Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I'll be back. You'll be back. He was back. <laughs> he came back. He was, and it was even better than the first. Yeah. And that's not even controversial. Baby got back. Baby yeah. got back. Um, I mean, as I said at the beginning of this, I think expansion is the key with sequels. And the first Terminator is bloody brilliant. Correct, Matt? Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie that I discovered in my mid-teen years, I think. Yeah. Uh, and slightly similarly to a movie that I'll talk about when you finish my mm-hmm. final pick. Mm-hmm. It had a real dark, should I be watching this kind of mm-hmm. feeling about it? You know, especially some of the scenes that I'm not going to divulge because mm-hmm. you just started talking about it. But some of the scenes in the movie were really shocking. Yeah, absolutely. The first Terminator is absolutely brilliant. But for Terminator 2, taking the idea and turning it on its head slightly, you know, making Arnold Arnold's... Schwarzenegger's Terminator. I thought you were the... about to just call him Arnold. Like first name terms. <laughs> Taking Arnold's. Also Arnold. No one calls him Arnold. I think I saw, Arnie. I think I then consi- I considered it in my brain. I was like, you can't do that. You can't uh, call him Arnold. No, no one. Uh, not even his mother calls him Arnold. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say Schwarzenegger. Um, yeah. Taking Schwarzenegger's uh, Terminator, making him the you know good Terminator as opposed to the bad evil Terminator. He's a simple idea, but it's bloody genius yeah. you know it's absolutely and it really really works and as a result of that it feels like a familiar world but different yeah and i think that is what is important for sequels that's just the beginning of where this film begins to branch out and show so much more of that grungy film noir tech noir kind of world when i think about the sequences in terminator 2 and just how thrilling they are and how well filmed they are James Cameron, the director of this film and the first film, he's gone on to do bigger stuff than Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it ain't better. Going through the uh, Los Angeles waterways, mm-hmm. I want to yeah, say, yeah. on the dirt bike and um, Edward Furlong, a.k.a. John Connor, being pursued by the T-1000, a.k.a. Robert Patrick. That whole sequence is amazing. It's amazing. It can go toe-to-toe with any blockbuster sequence in any Hollywood film ever, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. Because on top of that, like you said just now, you had the added part of that whole sequence starting with the confusion, especially for Edward Furlong's character, of the Terminator being the guy to, that's saving him. Absolutely. Against someone else who is the shape-shifting even more dangerous yeah yeah Yeah. i mean it's amazing the sequence in the psychiatric unit where sarah connor has been taken because she's like it's the end of the world you know she's gone a bit crackers well they think she's gone crackers. i think she's gone crackers but she ain't no crackers you gotta be listening to what she's gotta say otherwise you're gonna get killed which spoiler alert a lot of these people do that whole sequence is awesome yeah. especially when uh, she good gets... use of slow-mo great use of slow-mo especially when she gets broken out of the facility you know the sequence at the end where they have to break into skynet with miles dyson the guy who created skynet or or who is going to create skynet oh, time travel so confusing yeah i mean that's the large component of this film compared to the first one the first one is a sort of there's a crazy guy who's going around killing people mm. And, you know, there's a good guy who's trying to protect someone. This movie is very much like, well, yeah, obviously, like, robots are bad. But, you know, (laughs) there are people 
Robots are bad. There are people yeah. that made the robots. There's, yes. There, is, there, is, there are companies and there's a reason why these things exist and they exist because someone has made them and that's human a lot beings, more yes. human beings and that's, that's a lot more apparent in, in this. It's, you know, it's, they are our own creations, you know. And hence it's a much more human story. Yeah. Which is why emotionally, no diss on the first Terminator, it is brilliant, but it doesn't, have anywhere near the emotional impact that Terminator 2 does. No, I mean, the, 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 I think the scene that most people hold on to, and, it, you know, it often gets played in my brain whenever, whenever my someone brain. says World War Three or whatever, the Sarah Connor standing at the gates of the children's playground waiting for the bomb to go off, and then the kind of effect of that in a dream sequence is phenomenal. I was going to wait to talk about that. Oh, okay. But no, 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 no. We'll just do it now. My, my, I'm going to give you my third fact now. Oh, okay. Uh, because it is related to that. So special effects guru Stan Winston, absolute legend of uh, special effects, and his crew studied hours of nuclear test footage in order to make Sarah Connor's nuclear nightmare scene look as realistic as possible. A miniature Los Angeles was made to simulate the scene. Some of the materials used in the miniature that mimicked all the destroyed masonry were Matzo's crackers, and shredded wheat mm. lovely stuff after each take it would take on average two days to set the model up to shoot again which is pretty bonkers wow. in late 1991 members of several US federal nuclear testing labs unofficially declared it the most accurate depiction of a nuclear blast ever created for a fictional motion picture mm. I mean it's it's an astounding piece of work uh, James Cameron was in his stride you know really the was. sequence between aliens through to terminator 2 aliens abyss uh terminator abyss. 2 uh what else was there yes i mean i agree true lies true lies which is technically after but brilliant film yes. yeah yeah the other reason that this film really speaks to me in the deadman household growing up this was a banned film uh the for- sequel both of them I guess really. the first one definitely both yeah both of them really but I was six when Terminator 2 came out and it had enough of appeal to my six-year-old brain to be like oh I really want to see that and my mum and dad were like no to the point me and my brother so many times I mean my brother I think my brother did manage to see it in a double bill with Predator great double bill uh round his friend's house his friend's parents were you know less uh less bothered about what he watched (laughs) liberals (laughs) they don't go children watch anything crazy fools they're gonna burn the world and i remember my brother coming back from uh from his friend's house and being like i've seen terminator and predator and i was so so jealous but i remember one time it was on tv and we'd set the video recorder to record and my parents noticed it and stopped it midway through and all this good it, parenting to be it, fair as you, a parent that's good parenting skills it probably wasn't years but it felt like i'd been trying to see this film for years and had been prevented from seeing it multiple times and so when i finally did get around to see it and not only did it live up to my expectations which were wild Mm. By the time I actually got around to seeing it, it lived up to them and surpassed it. One of the few gripes I have with Terminator 2. Okay. So I was 15 when it came out. So this was bang on for me. Yeah. I could, I could see it in the cinema. You must have seen it in the cinema. Yeah. I could see it in the cinema. I was a Guns N' Roses fan. Yeah. The cover of, you know, that You Should Be Mine. You could which is, be mine. 
you know, I think I saw them Wembley that summer as well. And nice. um, it was, it, it felt like a movie that was made for teenagers. Absolutely. So the first movie was very much something that was made for adults. Yeah. Very much. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Especially Definitely. the sequence. I'd never seen anything like it in the first one where you had someone walk into a police station and, and, and essentially just, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was shocking. It was amazing. So I don't think there's that much shock value to this movie i think it's very much you know a shiny clever beautifully put together special effects extravaganza genius mm. there are obviously moments of kind of pure violence yes. and and moments that will stay with you like you know the sequence we were talking about mm. and also the final sequence not one of, one of the final sequences where the scientist who i've forgotten the name of that you just mentioned miles dyson who realizes what he is about to do or has done and atones for his mistake potentially his yes well look this is spoiler territory his death is absolutely yeah phenomenal yes i mean he, yes a, a death that he kind of facilitates yes. um for the benefit of yes mankind it's brilliant so i think look, i think my only real gripe with terminator 2 is it definitely feels like and when i rewatched it it felt like a movie at a younger teenager audience which is mm. which is an odd thing because you know theme wise it is it is quite heavy and dark and mm. um, but I do definitely think there's a lot of comedy bits. Short, you know, Arnie is a as a good kind of guy. He's able to kind of do a few more fun things. Yes, become that the kind of character that he sort of did become in many movies. You know, more of a crossover. You know, kind of popular with teenagers and mums and children kind of figure. Yeah. So that's really my only criticism. Apart from that, it is nigh on perfect. I'm just going to step in here and say there has been, and I don't know when it started being circulated a lot, probably since the advent of DVD, there has been an extended edition of Terminator 2, which is doing the rounds, which has, I'm going to guesstimate, an additional 12 minutes of footage in it. And the reason why I'm suspecting that maybe that's the version you, I'm going to say inadvertently watched, because it is absolutely not the right version to be watching. Because it's not a director's cut. It wasn't Jim Cameron coming along going, oh, this is just extra stuff. It was just, I think, with the DVD era, they put a lot of comedy stuff, particularly between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Edward Furlong, who plays John Connor, back into the film. And it completely ruins the tone of the film. The extended edition is around 135 minutes and the original is, is almost exactly on two hours. So that's how you can tell between the two. But yes, it's definitely a case of the extended edition making the film worse. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't think I've seen that version. Oh, okay. I think there's some comedy sequences in it which are almost farcical. I guess comedies. I guess I'm saying it's not a comedy, but it, no. not comedy sequences, but the relationship between the Terminator and John Connor are very, very much paternal. And I yeah. think you know that feels like it moves it into a different sort of territory, different sort of genre. You know, there's a lot of kind of bonding. There's a lot of really genuinely beautiful um, kind of you know parenting moments um you know and especially the moments where john connor and the terminator are sort of learning words or language or you know or to give a thumbs up yes you know and it's all it's all i I just think for me um, I just remember seeing it. And I, I, when I recently rewatched it, it did feel not like a young movie because it is incredibly violent. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you don't, you, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't let your kids watch this. <laughs> no, no, no. 
Um, I think I need to give two more facts on it. Mm. Robert Patrick, who plays T-1000, absolutely phenomenal performance. We're both agreed, I'm sure. Fantastic. And it's a real shame that, um, obviously, you know, he's a jobbing actor and he's done plenty of other things since then, but nothing quite to this level. I do agree. He is instantly incredible he's excellent and to give an idea of the amount of commitment he put into this role he undertook a rigorous running regime and practiced breathing only through his nose in order to appear uh, to be a cyborg that could run at high speeds without showing fatigue he does run a lot he's the Tom Cruise of this movie he oh he's fun- uh, if you think lot. Tom Cruise running is impressive which it is by the way uh, Robert Patrick running in this film is absolutely phenomenal he trained so hard that he was able to catch up to Edward Furlong aka John Connor on his dirt bike with ease. Wow. Now, I don't know how fast those dirt bikes go, but quite fast, right? That's stunning. Yes, it is impressive. An adult could catch up to a child on a bike. Go, yeah. Patrick. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Child with boundless energy. Uh, my second fact, although technically my third, because I already did my third about the Stan Winston thing. Um, oh, that's not very good, actually. I don't know why I've done that. Crap fact. My third fact is Terminators are robots. (laughs) My second fact is that production took significantly longer than they imagined it was going to initially. And so when casting Edward Furlong, who was, I'm going to say 12 when he was cast, he started going through puberty and uh, it was quite difficult. They had to make certain adjustments in uh, in the shoot. He's noticeably younger in the desert scenes because they were the first to be shot than in any of the other scenes. His voice began to break and had to be pitch adjusted in post-production. He had also grown tall over the months that the film was shot. And for one scene shot late in production schedule, he had to stand in a hole in the ground in order to maintain continuity and height difference with Linda Hamilton, who plays Sarah Connor, his mother, who is brilliant, actually. You know, we've not really mentioned Linda Hamilton's performance, but Jim Cameron had a really good... you know the way that he brought out Ripley in Aliens um, he was really good at were like... they married at the time James Cameron and, and Hamilton they definitely were definitely got married but um, I'm not sure if they, they were married um, during the filming of this I can't remember now uh, yeah they they, they, they they did have a relationship for a while um, and there's still obviously an awful lot of uh, mutual respect between two because like Linda, Linda Hamilton came back from one of the Terminators didn't she? and in fact she said she wouldn't come back unless Jim Cameron came back so she obviously has got a lot of respect for him still blah 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 after all that but yeah um, Terminator 2 I mean I adore it I adore it I think it's brilliant I, I see your uh, slight criticisms of it I wave them away hmm. uh, <laughs> shoo them with your fingers <laughs> shoo 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 um, Matthew, what's your final choice? So my third and final pick, I guess, might be considered the off-cut, deep-cut, maybe not an obvious choice, maybe not an obvious sequel. The um, least perceived as a classic of yeah. your picks. Yeah, definitely. So my third choice is Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Which I believe you only watched for the first time very recently. Yeah, this was the only one of all the films that we chose between us. This is the only one which either of us needed to watch for the first time. I'd watched Mad Max Fury Road. I think it's absolutely extraordinary. But I was a bit like, 
because the old ones are, you know, so so old and a bit shonky and blah blah blah. I was like, well, now that I've seen Fury Road, am I just going to go back to those old ones and be like, oh, that's cute? Um, oh, but, they're but, driving cars. Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Very quickly, without too many spoilers, first one I absolutely did. I mean, I was laughing at that film over and over and over again. Second film, however, absolutely not. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Obviously, you know, in terms of the action sequences and stuff, Fury Road is a big, uh, multiple steps up, I think. But I really enjoyed Road Warrior. Yeah. So, look, it's a great movie. It's another movie from 1981. Right. Um, Well, I mean... (laughs) I know it buys 1980, but in my brain it was 1981. Uh, So, it's a movie, it's a a post-apocalyptic action film and this was really before that was even a phrase or a genre it was directed by george miller who returned after this to make a final part of this trilogy and then obviously to come back and make the genuinely world-class um, fury road, fury road. Um, <sighs> which is just an, inc- an, an, an astonishing it, achievement it's for amazing. a filmmaker especially it, a man of george miller's age as well like well, to come back and make that yeah at this stage in his life and his career i mean and his very quick aside his career is bonkers yeah he's done like bay pig in the city yeah it's it's, it's a yeah. but all his movies i think anyway george yeah. miller's a wonderful filmmaker so this is the second installment uh in the mad max franchise uh, mel gibson reprising his role as Mad Max Rokanaski. That's his full name. And the film is a continuation of a story of a world that has sort of been destroyed through um, the ending of... God, I'm really not explaining this. Well, the open, well, the opening scene. I mean, basically, the there is sequence. no, there's no oil. The opening sequence explains everything that's happened. There's a voiceover. In about introduces 30 the characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. no oil. The world goes to war. Everything is bad. Um, yeah. So I think I saw this movie in the early '90s. So I was probably like 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And similarly to, to how we were talking about Terminator, the first Terminator, this felt really underground. It felt very sort of naughty. Um, naughty in an English 14, 13, 14 world. Oh, it's so naughty. All this violence and death. Um, but it was really dark. It's really dark. It's, dark. it's really brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd never seen a movie like it. It's Br- brutal. Yeah, brutal. Is, is, yeah, it's brutal. Unflinching. Unflinching. Brutal. Yeah. It's raw. It felt uncut. The characters were insane. The world was so bleak. I don't think I'd seen a movie quite as bleak. Yeah. And it felt very like, it felt very oddly possible. And the, the voiceover that we were talking about just then that i was unable to articulate it feels really now as well feels very very possible you know one thing one thing linked with technology or linked with how we live and how we run our our lives how the world turns yeah um one you take one of those sort of safety blocks out and everything could crumble so really really scary in the movie you really root for this character max although you don't really know anything about him uh you don't really know his motivations um, well, apart to get, from to get oil that's what he wants well, yeah that's his motivation so it's again another spoiler i feel like this is stupid saying this but in the first movie it concludes with the the death of his child and his wife and so he Which becomes very poorly done i have to say <laughs> i see i was really affected by it i mean maybe uh, because enough. i watched it a long time ago yeah, yeah but that essentially sets up this character the road warrior yeah. um a one man and his dog story literally. yes literally yeah, yeah. so yeah, you really root for him, even though you don't know anything about him um, and his kind of survival. He's got a car, he's got a dog, he needs some petrol. He meets a lot of crazy people. And I remember at the time when I watched this, there was a real culture about bootleg VHS tapes 
because there was no streaming there was no internet you know so if you wanted to watch a movie you went to the cinema or you went to a video shop there's the only two or was always on tv and this movie was never on tv Mm. and i remember Mm. someone giving me a copy on a chipped vhs with the label ripped off Mm. you had to there was a little tab that you had to rip off right is that correct you had a little plastic bit so you couldn't record over it that's right yeah yeah, yeah. um and it just added to this sort of slightly illegal nature of this movie and a lot of these kind of 80s movies early 80s movies you had a lot of horrible people in horrible worlds and it all just added it to this kind of underground horrible nasty video nasty excitement of watching it influence wise i mean it's been written a lot that it's been influenced by the western shane uh, the 1935 movie as well as the films by akira kurosawa his series of samurai films and weirdly, like talking about Empire, there are lots of visual parallels between this world and some of the Star Wars George Lucas world, which is bonkers to say. But I absolutely felt that as I was watching it. Yeah, right? Yeah. I, I mean, the re- content the, maybe yeah. less so, but visually yes. and also the storytelling. There's the camera wipes, which is really New Hope. Very. The fact that a large part of it is set in the desert, which is really Tatooine. It's just kind of the aesthetic. Yeah. Well, the good guys don't wear masks. The bad guys wear masks. Oh, that's for, true. For the, for the most part. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really violent movie. It's a really great movie. I mean, the story is essentially there's a small kind of community and they've somehow managed to pump some oil, pump some gas, mm-hmm. and they've kind of barricaded themselves. And they're very much a sort of hodgepodge of sort of collection yeah, of they really are. young and old and that they're not warriors they're not fighters no they almost feel like they've been plucked from a completely different world and placed unprepared in mm. this new kind of world and they're surrounded by some very horrible people they like their leather yeah they, love they their, really they, love their leather they love their leather arseless chaps lovely stuff yeah and they want the petrol and yeah. um and a bunch of horrible things happens to some of the people some really very horrible stuff. things happen to there's some of these people there's a feral child with a boomerang there's a feral child with a boomerang great. who kills um kills a man and it kills a man so this Father whole thing this whole thing builds up to the final cars on a road driving away from other cars on a road which is essentially retold in the first, and also the third movie oh is uh, it yeah no it's totally which i haven't got around yeah, no. to basically the three movies after the first one end exactly the same way but this <laughs> right. one did it first and it yeah. does it so brilliantly it does it's, it's like a 15 minute sequence yeah it's and it's still breathtaking cinema. works well yeah he's yeah. so interesting george miller the way he he'll plonk a camera inside a car next to a driver and just hold that shot for you know 20 seconds a long time, yeah. and there's a bunch of amazing things to watch out for in this film but i just i just love it i mean did you you enjoyed it right i really really enjoyed it and i, I, Maybe I was... feel slightly less illegal and naughty these days and sure. more just kind of a bit oh old. but i can Im- imagine going back to that time of being like jesus christ it must have been quite like you know scary to see it at that time i can definitely imagine that because there's no civilization in this no you don't see buildings no whereas in the first film you do yeah. the first film doesn't take that post-apocalyptic angle which you're kind of positing and i can't think of another film prior to this i mean maybe listeners can but it may well be the film responsible for creating that post-apocalyptic aesthetic, possibly, maybe in the same way that Blade Runner is the film generally credited as creating any futuristic city these days. Yeah, I enjoyed it so much, this film, and I did not expect to, because as I said, I also, a couple of days previously, saw the first Mad Max, which... I'm not going to sit here and say it's a bad film because I don't think it is a bad film, but certainly has not aged well. Whereas Mad Max The Road Warrior, 
obviously as cheap as chips. But I do think it's aged well. I think it's aged really, really well, actually. And I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm definitely going to watch Beyond the Thunderdome. I'm very intrigued about it. I mean, Tina Turner's in it, for starters. And it's got a great theme tune. Does it? Right. We don't need another hero. Oh. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise that yeah. was from uh, Beyond Mouse. the Thunderdome. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great song. Bit, of course. So interestingly, so George Miller wasn't going to make a third movie. Yeah. So the second movie was a huge hit. It was for a long time the, the most successful Australian movie ever made. Was it? And similar to Coppola uh, with The Godfather, there was a lot of pressure from the studio for him to make a sequel. Yeah, I bet. Even though he, he did, again, he did not enjoy making the first one because of studio interference. So the third one was kind of a labor of love. And I think initially he was making a completely different movie. He was making... Um, I can't remember what he was making, but he was he was in the middle of making. Was it Lord of the Flies? It was something like that. Okay. And he decided that rather than do that, he had the nucleus of this idea to make the third Mad Max movie. Right. Yeah, it's a great film. I rewatched it a couple of days ago as well, and it's so entertaining. Like, it really is. I can't, you know, and there there Flies are so many by. so many characters in this. That, you know, I've not mentioned um, mm. Humongous, the main mm. bad guy who wears a sort of Jason a Halloween style Ooh, hockey yeah, mask. Yeah, yeah. The helicopter pilot. Yes. Who is just great. It's just... You've, you've got your Mohican fella. He's he's great. Crazy Mohican guy. Crazy Mohican guy. Stunts are incredible. So yeah, look, it's a wonderful film. If you've not seen it, yeah. I don't think you need... You don't need to have seen Mad Max 1 to watch Mad Max 2 because it essentially no. tells you the story of Mad Max 1 in five in minutes. In the first the 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. There might be some people screaming at their devices when I say this, but I don't think Mad Max is a necessary film to be watching, to be totally honest. You don't need to see it to enjoy Road, Road Warrior can Absolutely be seen not. in isolation. And it's yeah. so, weirdly, for a second in a trilogy, it does have a beginning. Because of the voiceover, yes. you're very much introduced to the world. Yes. And, you know, you start... I mean, the original film was, there's a different beginning that was cut where the bandits that on bikes and cars uh, essentially attack a farm and Mad Max kind of intervenes. And that's when the car chase at the beginning sort of starts, where he's uh, being chased by these baddies. Okay. We'll call them baddies. Bandits. Uh, but yeah, bandits. Yeah, you don't, yeah, I don't think, you know, it's very much a little neat middle part all, all wrapped up all by itself. It, it definitely is, doesn't yeah. set up. For a sequel, it maybe no. sets up the world, no. the universe that's created, but I don't think it sets up a, and here's going to be a third one. Yeah, it's an exception to what I was talking about. I think all of my choices go along with my kind of uh, rhetoric that, you know, sequels should be more expansive rather than bigger and better necessarily. I think this is one of the examples... It, 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 it's less expansive than the first one. I think the first film tried to do too much with a absolutely meagre budget. And by focusing in on a tighter, far simpler... Very not, simple. No, it's a very simple story. Incredibly simple story. Good I mean, guys have petrol, bad guys want it. That's Mad it. Mad Max is a neutral character who gets involved. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's so simple. And, and I think by concentrating on that and doing that in an hour and a half, rather than the first film, which was trying to set up so many elements, and I didn't even know he was a police officer until watching the foot like that's the origin of mad max but i didn't know that at all and i was like what's all this fucking nonsense you know i just just blah 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 anyway which then very much as a side note feels like that influenced the walking dead the the nucleus of the, the main character oh. that whole 
For me, anyway. That's a very good point. I hadn't really considered that. But yes, look, I love Mad Max. I thought this was great. I'm definitely, definitely going to watch the third film. And I think I'm probably going to rewatch Fury Road after that because I enjoy I am really That's enjoying it. a great night in. That mm. is goodness me. I'm just going to hit you with some facts before we move on to the final pick. So there is a brilliant dog in this. It's a really good... If you like dogs, there's a fantastic dog in called this. Dog. Uh, yeah. Called Dog. Called uh, Dog. So the dog cast in the role as Dog was actually saved from being euthanized uh, with the casting director visiting a dog's home the day before it was supposed to happen. Oh. And following filming, the dog was adopted by a camera operator. Side note, the dog hated the noise of the car so much that for much of the film, he had to wear little doggy earplugs. Oh, little doggy earplugs! Number two, one of the most iconic and dangerous shots in The Road Warrior was filmed by accident. As initially planned, the shot was to feature a biker gang member slamming into a car. So this is a stunt that happens as part of the final sequence where there's a bunch of the bandits chasing the oil tanker and a car goes off the road and flips. I think I know the sequence because when I looked at it, I was like, that doesn't look safe. So it features a gang member slamming into a car and then flying over a hood. And instead, the stuntman slammed his legs into the car, (sighs) went somersaulting towards the camera. The shot was completely authentic and proved so thrilling that Miller decided to keep it in. As a it's result amazing. Of the, it's incredible. Yeah. As a result of the accident, the stuntman broke his leg and nearly lost his life. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Wow. It's an amazing stunt. Um, and my final fact is Mel Gibson uh, has 16 lines of dialogue with one mm. of those being repeated. I'm only here for the gasoline. And apparently I'm Miller... I'm only here for the gasoline. I'm only here for the gasoline. Uh, and apparently Miller... Oh, sorry. Side note. This movie is wonderfully australian mm. wonderfully australian <laughs> there are some proper proper australian accents at play here that it's just oh anyway uh, the boomerang weapon I, I i mean i did lol when i saw the boomerang weapon just because like how australian but yeah yeah and the fact that the back the good guys a lot of their equipment is like cricket like cricket yeah. gear um <laughs> so apparently miller had suggested in an interview that max never smiles he sort of Mona Lisa smirks, but I don't believe that. He definitely smiles towards the end of the movie. He has a full-on smile. But anyway, yeah. those are my three facts. <laughs> Mad Max Road Warrior, go watch it. Great film. Free. I'm really, really pleased that you chose it because uh, it was an excuse for me to finally watch it. And, yeah. I, and I really, 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 really enjoyed it. Lovely. You were less enthusiastic about my last choice, or, or, or at least on initial uh, on initial uh, viewing. Do you want to say the story very quickly I mean, before I go into that's, it? Or? That's politely putting it, Renfrey. <laughs> so I started, Do you want to talk about your experience yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started watching the film, your final pick, with my wife, Katie. Which is Gremlins 2, the new match. And... Uh, and it didn't first 10 15 minutes we did question your sanity <laughs> so i've definitely seen this film before mm-hmm. definitely 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 seen it before yeah because i remember all of the cameos and i remember how crazy it was mm. but i think watching it with modern eyes because i've got modern eyes <laughs> beautiful modern eyes uh, i think watching it now it made so little sense to me the film makes very little sense anyway but i, I was so confused that we basically turned it off. And I have, I did go back and watch most of it again. Cool. Okay. And I have reassessed and rechanged my mind because in the context of the rest of the film, those criticisms are not really valid. I don't think. So I apologize to Gremlins. I apologize to Joe Dante. I apologize to you. (laughs) You don't need to. Something that I absolutely adore about seeing films when you're really, 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 really young and then seeing them again several years later when you actually understand them. So 
when I saw Gremlins 2, first of all, I was probably, I don't know, I was definitely too young for it, but I was 10, 11, whatever age I was. And I just saw it as a, re- saw it as a really fun knockabout Gremlins film. It's certainly less of a horror movie than the first. Well, I would say that Gremlins, the original, is a really neat little horror film which has comedy elements in it. Whereas Gremlins 2 is an out-and-out farce. And I mean that as in the genre farce, uh, not the criticism, with a few horror elements. That's how it's been flipped. And yeah. not only that, but it's also... I mean, I was trying to sort of argue that... We, we had a, a, a little pre-chat about this as uh, we were setting up about postmodernism and how this film fits into the postmodern movement. It's undoubtedly a postmodern film. Yes. Agreed. Absolutely no question. Nope. And it's far, far smarter than it may appear on the surface Joe Dante did not want to make a sequel for Gremlins, but Gremlins had been an absolutely massive, mega, 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 mega hit for Warner Brothers. You know, it made sort of temporary stars, I suppose, of Phoebe Cates and uh, Zach Galligan. They really did want to make a sequel, as in uh, Warner Brothers, because it uh, was a massive hit. It earned more than $200 million on an $11 million budget. So, of course, they wanted to make a second film. Joe Dante was not so keen. He'd had enough of Gremlins and uh, for a while declined. Work on the film proceeded without him. And as the studio approached various directors and writers, there were lots and lots of people that they approached for this. Storylines that were considered, including sending the Gremlins to cities like Las Vegas. Sure. Or even to the planet Mars. I mean, as I said to you, that is a trope. Like, you either put them in a big city, which they did, they just chose a different city, yeah, New York, or yeah. in space. Yeah, yeah. But those ideas fell through. The studio finally asked Joe Dante again, who agreed to do the film, provided he had total creative control. Very similar to uh, The Godfather Part Two and Francis Ford Coppola, a film that I think Gremlins 2 is comparable to. And I'm not joking. Dante got full control and basically said to them, you're absolutely certain I can do whatever I like, yeah? And Warner Brothers were like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. And then he said, so you're you're okay with me making a film which makes a mockery of the idea of making sequels and basically sets out its stall and says the only reason sequels exist is to line the pockets of uh, film studios. Are you okay with that? And they went, whatever. And that's exactly the film he made. And when you see it through that lens, Gremlins 2 suddenly goes from being a fun weird, odd, little bit obscure maybe in 2023. Is it? Is Gremlins obscure? It hasn't had the remake treatment yet. It will probably I think inevitably it's just, I think happen. It is obscure, sadly. but it's more unfiltered. I think that's the mm. thing with, you know, you have a lot, there's a lot going on. I mean, he, so when he was having those conversations, he must have been holding the kitchen sink behind him saying, are you sure <laughs> I can do everything I want with this film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went, well, we're going to start with a kitchen sink yeah. and then just keep going. It does a lot. Like this film is a hundred minutes i don't think it's even that long i think it's like 96 or something like that and it fits a lot into its time there's a lot going on there's a lot going on it's absolutely crazy but this film is a sequel which is a criticism of sequels 
which is about as meta as you can get, really. Hilarious things like there are conversations where they're talking about the rules that the gremlins have and how stupid they are. They're like one of the rules is you, you know they can't eat after midnight, otherwise they'll turn into a gremlin. They're like, well, what if one of them gets a sesame seed stuck in its teeth before midnight? But then uh, then they pick it out out of their teeth after midnight and they eat that, but they haven't like started to eat that before. You know. The cameos, which are absolutely... I mean, the cast is like Christopher Lee is in yeah. this film. Christopher Lee is a sort of lead scientist well, of a, a sort a of... Mad scientist, yeah. you know. He's, do, he's doing the role that he's done a million times before. With a set of uh, ginger twins. Those ginger twins. You know what? I'm going to jump to this because this this is one of my facts, those ginger twins. Um, and, and we needed a bell, really, didn't we? For we your did, fact. Yeah. Ding, 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 the cop in the mental institute getting oh, wow. the coffee who uh gets i mean spoiler a well not a knife but um the t1000 he gets it through the back of his head doesn't he mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah anyway he dies um, he dies <laughs> he dies but once you realize what gremlins 2 is doing and what it's trying to do and realize that it really is just a massive piss take of hollywood the studio system and the idea of sequels, full mm. stop, it suddenly becomes an absolute genius look at corrupt, <laughs> greedy Hollywood. And and honestly, it's it's one of the best sequels ever made. It's mm. brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, it does. It tends to it sets out its sort of stall quite early. Yeah, uh, and it, I think it takes pot shots at a lot of things. Uh, it does. There's a lot of getting rid of the of kind of older things, or getting rid of anything kind of classic, and 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 you know, covering everything in in <laughs> in, in the new and the improved and the modern. You know, there's a whole load of stuff about artwork. There's an amazing line. So there's this Clamp TV network in the film, and Clamp is meant to be Donald Trump. Just one of the throwaway gags. There's like an advertisement for uh, Casablanca coming on the new Clamp TV channel, but this time with a happier ending <laughs> and in color. <laughs> you know, like, it's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. And yeah. there are so many of those lines. No, there are. It's having scientists as well trying to improve people's life by doing a bunch of crazy shit to, to things. It's just, yeah. I think the sequence that we initially stopped the movie the first time was where the twins and Christopher Lee are talking about the discovery of Gizmo and that he likes to dance. And yeah. they play some rock and roll music and the twins yeah. bop side to side in perfect motion whilst Gizmo dances while Christopher Lee is completely shocked and, and yeah. you know, uh, kind of so annoyed that these people have been wasting his time. Yeah, and then Gizmo uh, tries to escape and it's absolutely adorable whenever Gizmo runs, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, there is a large part of this movie that is also people torturing Gizmo, which is very sad. But I feel also that must be a direct relation between Joe Dante, the director, absolutely, and his own creation. Absolutely. It's almost like he's just That's gone... That's Joe Dante angrily going, I fucking hate this Yeah. Thing. I fucking yeah. hate this And thing. the leads from the first movie are... They're not barely in this, but they are not the main characters. They are not... Especially the Billy. Are. Especially the, 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 the kind of male... Mm. He's there. He, he is of, there. He enters scenes and leaves them, but... He does. He does a no, better job than Orlando with, Bloom does. Yeah. I mean, Phoebe Cates is... is as ever, brilliant. Yeah, and she is great. Actually, yeah. What a bonkers, bonkers movie. Well, that's the thing. I mean, and and the other reason why, uh, the big reason why I wanted to put this in is because I personally think I wish Hollywood was, br- and I'm speaking very generally here, 
But I wish Hollywood was braver with sequels, just generally. And I think as an example of like, like possibly one of the bravest sequels ever made in terms of like what you're actually doing and what you're actually saying with the film, it doesn't come that much braver than Gremlins 2, The New Batch, I don't think. The only problem with my rhetoric, and it is a rather large one, is Gremlins 1 huge massive success 200 million from an 11 million budget as i said before i admit that my logic is flawed when it comes to box office receipts because gremlins 2 did not do as well as gremlins unfortunately i think well for a number of reasons that i'll go on to it had a budget of uh, 50 million and it grossed worldwide which 40. is insane yeah for the time that it was made to give him 50 million, 50 million and tell him he could do what he wanted and yeah. then knowing that he hated the first movie yeah. i mean they deserved this to be a flop they really yeah did. it returned 41 million dollars you know which uh definitely not considered a success i mean in order for a film to be considered as a success it should return its budget twice over is that correct yeah budget and marketing twice over there we go so definitely not considered a financial success killed off any chance yeah i mean i joe dante would not have done it if though a gremlins 3 is being made by chris columbus it is Ah, in the works mm, uh, a director very similar to joe dante well he did that he wrote the first one chris columbus the only reason he didn't return for gremlins 2 is because he was working on home alone Um, what a movie that is crikey brilliant film absolutely brilliant film but creatively i'm not saying that i want every single sequel to go absolutely crackers because gremlins 2 does i don't think that would be appropriate for every so you don't need every sequel to have characters from the tv show with the monsters in it (laughs) or a section where the film stops and hulk hogan is in the cinema shouting at the screen or it starts with an animated looney tunes section (laughs) Or, I mean, the, there were there were a lot of gremlins in this. There the, were a lot of gremlins. The, the, the sequence. I don't want to go on about it too much, but the sequence where the film stops, the fact that they pulled that off and they got away with it. So basically, gremlins get into the projector. Like imagine you're seeing it at the cinema. Gremlins get into the projector, start making like um, uh, shadow puppets behind the projection screen and then someone comes out into the cinema foyer this is all on the screen obviously this is all the postmodern meta stuff but a woman with her child comes out and complains to the cinema usher then the cinema usher goes into the screening finds hulk hogan who at the time was a massive wwf it was wwf at the mm-hmm. time wasn't it uh world wrestling federation superstar i mean that was when wrestling was at its height the wasn't ultimate it warrior ultimate warrior hogan. british bulldog blah 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 yeah. and hulk hogan's there and he's like shouting at the screen and then you know then he looks directly at the camera is like sorry for the interruption folks and all this and like that should not work and yet they pulled it off i can't think of many examples where a film stops that much but I think it's the one time I can think of where it really works. Because it's so zany up to that point anyway. You're like, yeah, sure Hulk Hogan's a cameo in this film. You know, like, it, like it, by that point, it's, it's so crazy and so zany and it just makes sense. And I've never seen another film where a sequence like that 
really makes sense. Yeah, you know, I've seen I've seen nods to the cameras that like like breaking the fourth wall and stuff like that, but not to that extent. Yeah, I mean, it, it actually works, and it does kind of come out of nowhere. I, look, I it think really does. Yeah. I did really enjoy this movie, and I think all of the things you're saying are completely true, and I think it's a really unique piece of art. I Absolutely. think it's very, very, very. I do, you know, I think it's very brave of him the balls of this man fair play i think where i'm for me again a tiny criticism for it i think it's not a perfect film well i don't think there's a story and i think that's my issue with (laughs) it i mean i mean we literally haven't said one thing about the story there's as much story in this film as there is in mad max 2 no 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 mad max 2 is 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 very linear Mm. very mad max 2 is there's a there's a, a bunch of bad guys. They want something. Yeah. Then a, a kind of Shane, a Shane wandering kind of loner uh, yeah, comes in yeah, and yeah. helps these people. But this doesn't have a linear story. It doesn't no. have a starting point or an end point. There is just Gremlins take a building, over a New York building. But I mean, that's not a, that's not a story. It's basically just... Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that would be my. You know, like, I think this movie is enjoyed as a spectacle of complete insanity. Yeah. It's yeah. uh, and I think the first twenty thirty minutes. It's not a very long movie, like you said. The first twenty thirty minutes, yeah. everything sets. I mean, I don't know why <laughs> it takes a while to set things up. There's a bunch of really weird scenes at the beginning, and there's a kind of setup, and there's some characters that you're introduced to, sort of like a bad boss and a, you know, a very a very New York kind of like <laughs> line manager who's there's a sort of weird. Yeah story that sort of doesn't really go anywhere where no. she's kind of flirting with the you know mixed phoebe anyway it really doesn't go none anywhere, of that kind of goes no, anywhere but yeah, then yeah, yeah. on the half an hour mark i don't think scenes after that last more than a minute and then there's yeah. like 50 scenes after it yeah. you are hit yeah. by gremlins being injected by smart drugs you're yeah. you're introduced to previous characters and flying bat gremlins yeah. you are introduced to gremlins being sucked into the electrics you're introduced yes. to the owner of the building uh, escaping with a, a hidden kind of escape pod. Difficult the last, to describe. The last hour of this film is like watching a a pop video. Yeah. A music pop video, have, as the kids have, call it. The father from the Monsters yeah. interviewing the smart gremlin who then shoots another gremlin in the face. Yeah, and it's all the better for it. No, no, no. That, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not a criticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. My, my one only criticism is, I think if someone said, oh, Gremlins 2, what's that about? Um, what is Gremlins 2 <laughs> well, about? Well, it's about the greed of uh, film studios and, and the fact that they want it's sequels about, to things. That's but... the thing. It's not yes, about it that. Is. No, 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 no. I feel like that's not Throwing the story. Of the, that's yeah, not okay. the story of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The story yeah. of the movie yeah. is... That's not the plot, but that's what it's about. Like, yeah, I mean, it's all subtext. Look, I think, sure, I sure, think, sure. I think I was completely wrong in my initial criticism when you first told me to watch it. But I think, for me, I think it's hard to extrapolate a storyline but hey look i don't it's fair enough i don't think necessarily it really needed it because i feel like what he was doing with this film wasn't about story if anything it almost probably was the opposite of exactly i'm gonna make a movie that has no story exactly i'm just gonna show a movie that the, the reason 
people make sequels isn't because of storyline exactly. it's because of all of this other stuff exactly. so that i fully respect i just in terms of a, an enjoyable movie experience it's it's fun because it's so insane yeah yeah, yeah. um but not it's, because of a story it's the film equivalent of absolutely bonkers math core <laughs> where, where you're almost like laughing at it because it's so insane going off in all sorts of in different directions and all sorts of different tangents and blah blah, blah. that's what it is is that weird grind uh, math core movement thing but done it's a big budget movie yeah i mean a big budget a big budget movie there's a appearance from leonard maitland who i believe is a quite i mean i didn't know him admittedly and hence this did go over my head until i realized this fact but he is a prominent film critic uh in america he hated the first Gremlins. He really didn't like it. He gave it a very, very bad review. And he appears in Gremlins 2 on the Clamp TV network, reviewing the original Gremlins. Well, actually reviewing Gremlins. He's reviewing Gremlins 2 as you're watching Gremlins 2. I mean, so meta. And he's talking about like why people would want to watch this terrible film, bloody, bloody, blibbity, blue. And then he gets attacked by Gremlins himself. He's like, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm sorry, it's a 10, it's a 10, you know. But the fact that the critic came in who actually genuinely hated the first film and did that cameo, like, fair play to him. Yeah. Like, it's really funny, you know, blah, blah, blah. The film's chock full of that. And yeah, like, I mean, the- that scene is genuinely 45 seconds long. Yeah. <laughs> and the film, <laughs> the last that. 30, 40 minutes of the film has hundreds of those sort of scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the yeah. scene in the with Phoebe Cates with the slightly phallic arms the scene with the gremlin being shredded by the boss yeah. I mean there are so many it's like literally you could reel them off yeah. it's just the the levels of insanity there's one scene where it's not even a scene it's between scenes where there's people running in a hallway and a llama just runs with them and a, and yeah. a penguin or a bear or something it's, where, what, where do they come from I mean well, they say it's because they, it's from the science lab no they're, they're, I mean, they're from the science lab sure. there are actually references to that before one of the, I mean this is another thing I've seen this film dozens of times over the years I found new stuff in it the last time I watched it a couple of days ago one of the science lab experiments uh, when you first go into the lab they're milking cows but there's this thing on their brains which is telling them you like being milked being milked is like a hug and I'd never seen that before and it made me absolutely laugh my tits off I found it really really funny but I'd never ever seen that sequence I also watched it with subtitles on which also made me appreciate the absolute genius of some of the dialogue and how many one-liners are in this film there's flipping loads and if you watch it with subtitles you really start to appreciate that so it really is a genuinely you know i'm not going to say forgotten i mean it was a huge film but like genuinely brilliant film which i don't think many people have talked about i mean i've bent the rules ever so slightly here because really i just really wanted to talk about gremlins 2 because i think it's fascinating and i would put all of this in the show notes because there's so many articles that i you know um have stole ideas from wholeheartedly for this argument but there's a brilliant independent one and a brilliant quietest one which you can go to there's even a twitter account which is quite a serious academic look at gremlins 2 and like the well i think it's slightly tongue-in-cheek but actually so much time no but it's it's literally the gremlins 2 institute and it's not the gremlins institute it's gremlins 2 specifically and going into the actual um nuances and the actual ideas behind it there was a brilliant interview on the quietest with the guy who runs that twitter account and it is excellent yeah. I, I will i will link the to that. is a wonderful yeah wonderful, yeah. Wonderful, amazing. Wonderful amazing big up john doran but there we go there we so, go our top three favorite sequels 
And there we have it for season two of Three is the Magic Number. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. If you've listened to any of these episodes at all, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it from the bottom of our blackened hearts. Thank you very much indeed. If you have enjoyed the season and would like to help us out in any small way, a little review on iTunes or a rating five stars preferably would be absolutely fantastic we could do with things like that you can follow us on our social channels at three magic number pod on twitter instagram most of the socials we've got something that'll do that covers it yeah blah 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 if you've liked certain episodes please tell your friends that would be lovely etc etc and season three is a coming we're hoping to have something out let's say autumn or something like that i think i think so yeah i think so i think this is the kind of post season two breath of fresh air and i will say i'm just going to keep top three tuesdays going so we have a nice bunch of stuff to start the next uh the next podcast for record so every tuesday i'll be posting tuesday top threes so please do follow us on socials and please reply oh yeah don't think that our socials are gonna stop overnight or anything like that no 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 we have two live shows if you're attending either 2000 trees festival in cheltenham in july or arc tangent festival in bristol in august we will be doing two live shows one at each of those as well so if you're coming along to either of those please come along and say hello and all that sort of thing uh any other business matt i think that's it just just a big thank you to everyone who listens uh season three will be following pretty rapidly but um you know for a few months at least i think there will be no more episodes uh so go back and re-listen to some old <laughs> chatters some old natters between myself and renfrey and other guests more chatters natters but yes thank you so much for listening to this season and we will see you for season three sometime towards the end of the year thank you Bye.